This episode of the Hard Men Podcast is brought to you by Joe Garrisey and Backwards Planning Financial. It's also brought to you by Private Family Banking. And finally, this episode is brought to you by Salt and Strings Butchery. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. We have a very special guest we'll be talking to today, and that will be Mr. Ben Garrett. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Haunted Cosmos and some of the new episodes coming up for those guys, including Dyatlov Pass, which is out now. Fascinating story. We're going to unpack that. Are demons real? Uh, Where do they show up in today's world? What about cessationism? What about Sasquatch? What about the moon landing? We're going to delve into some of these topics in today's episode. Hopefully, whet your appetite. Yeah, really interesting conversation. Thanks to Ben for joining. By the way, if you're not yet a supporter on Patreon, would encourage you to join to support this show. Get access to exclusive content. Uh, most recent episode of The Pugilist, which is our Patreon-exclusive show, uh, released this past week. I did with Pastor Dan Burkholder. We answer some reader Q&A including daughters. What should daughters be doing in between that time when, say, they're graduated from high school or, you know, moving on to the next season? Are are you recommending, somebody asked, are you recommending we send them to college? And uh, Pastor Dan and I are going to answer that question. What are the core principles that guide a father's decision-making process in this time period? And, and really, how are you thinking about what it is that you're preparing your daughter for during this time Again, Dan Burkholder and I unpack that in The Pugilist, and we tackle a number of other questions, including some of my favorite Civil War books. Somebody asked me, what is your favorite book on Stonewall Jackson? We'll talk about that. I actually give a couple of recommendations there. And then what is the most red pill Civil War book that you guys have read? We'll talk about that. Again, you can sign up for as little as $5 a month on Patreon. Follow the link in the show notes, and you get access to that content. You also get early access to episodes. Uh, Definitely appreciate everybody's patience. Last week I was out sick. Uh, Stomach bug stuff, never fun. Uh, But we're back at it this week, and uh, we're going to jump in with Ben Garrett. Uh, Final plug I want to make. We are uh, pushing on in Season 3, preparing now for Season 3, of the King's Hall podcast. If you've not yet listened to that, that also has a Patreon channel we have some exclusive interviews coming up. Uh, Dr. Joe Rigney, uh, Dr. Glenn Sunshine. Uh, we are interviewing Lord Willing. It's on the schedule to interview uh, Ben Merkel about his book on King Alfred in the medieval period. Um, we have just some phenomenal interviews. We're going to be talking with Raymond Ibrahim. Uh, he's got Defenders of the West, The Sword and Scimitar. We're going to have him on the podcast. And so really excited for the content. What was Christendom 1.0? What were some of the principles and foundations of that? So if you want to follow along, get access to those interviews, check out the King's Hall podcast as well. And finally, with all of our plugs out of the way, we're going to jump now into this episode. Again, we're talking with Ben Garrett from The Haunted Cosmos. Welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I am joined today by probably the best looking of any of the deacons at Refuge Church. Okay. (laughs) There's only one. (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, Uh, Mr. Ben Garrett. I am so happy to be here. Dude, thank you so much. That introduction was generous. So, Ben, uh, you know, I want to give people 
We're going to be talking about Haunted Cosmos, okay? Oh, oh, yeah. Everybody loves the cause. I hope. Yeah. No, they really do. Like yeah. when I, now, because when you guys, you know, your thing is taking off and uh, when, I, when I go on podcasts, people are like, dude, <laughs> a hard man podcast, Eric Khan, come on my podcast. I'm like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And they're like, I want to talk about Haunted Cosmos. No. They do. That, and you know what is funny is that just means I have to catch up on episodes. <laughs> so you're like forced to listen. <laughs> they're like, I think it's Eric, what's it about? And I'm like, I think like demons and stuff. No, I'm going to apologize in advance for the episodes <laughs> you, you choose to listen to. Yes. You're not going to like them. <laughs> People are going to love them. So Ben, I, um, I want to ask you about some of the things that I was just genuinely intrigued by. Okay. Um, people probably don't know this about you, but when, when you're doing your research, mm -hmm. like I walk by and I look at Ben's stack of books, I'm like, <laughs> like, what is this guy reading? Like, like weird math books and yeah. geometry, sacred and geometry, sacred books. geometry. So, so my question for you guys, um, this would be for you and Brian, but you specifically, since you're here, how did you guys before haunted cosmos, before it was ever a thing before it was a, a twinkle in your eye, like were, were you just reading about this stuff? Was it just an area of genuine interest? And yes. And if so, like why, why were you so interested in this subject matter? Oh, wow. That's a good question. So it was an area of interest uh, for a long time, really, I guess since since before I graduated high school, I, I started trying to read these types of books, theoretical physics books, which is just high strangeness, but you know, some smart people talk about it. So all of a sudden it's scholarly. They call it now. theoretical yeah, yeah, physics. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, the, and but it really is just it's just magic. Um <laughs> and I guess the reason why is because I, I was left unsatisfied with, you know, the materialist ideas of the world. Uh, and I was kind of hypocritical because all the while I was also diving into like theistic evolution stuff. Like I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe the evolutionist is right and God used it, you know, providentially to, to bring about his will. And then I, and then I just kind of got hit with like, that's dumb. I, I hate it. It's gay and I hate it. It's gay and I hate it. So I am instead going to just go whole hog into what the Bible says is true. Not in like a biblicist way where you're ignoring what's around you um, and you're being like hard headed about and, and stiff necked about things, but you just say yes and amen to all the passages. You don't cringe at any of them. And then you go from there and use that as the lens to look at the world. Mm. And when I did that, I was like, oh, wow, this is a crazier place than I thought it was. And I think part of it was that there was this weird disconnect where I would read scripture or any old history, like even Herodotus. I would read things like that and functionally think that it happened in a different world. Mm. Like that never happened here. You know, that, that, that was so long ago, it may as well be a, a totally different place. But the truth is, is that it's still the same place. You know, it's been changed by the blood of Christ and, and, all, and all those things, but it's the same place. And the fact that some of those things happened the way that we're told that they happened should make you go outside in the morning and think, what kind of adventures are we going to get into today? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, recently for Kings Hall, we were interviewing Joe Rigney mm -hmm. and he was talking about Narnia and uh, Puddle Glum before the witch. Oh, wow. And he said, uh, you know, I think it's a perfect picture of modernity because he said the problem in modernity is we think the enlightenment came and then the world became disenchanted. Mm. And he said, actually, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that mon modernity is the dark spell. Mm. 
it is the world that's always winter and and never Christmas, mm. right? It's it's the spell of the witch, um, which I find interesting because uh, he said it's not that we live in a disenchanted world, like there was. It's not like there was a supernatural world and now it's not supernatural, right? Because they killed it. It's more like Theoden with the spell on him, and that's what the world is like. Mm. So when we think about reenchantment, it's actually just seeing what's there, right? So I, I wonder if you think that's true. Like, do you find that to be a helpful picture? Yeah, I think that's compelling. It, you're not, when we say re-enchantment, you're not re, or you're not introducing something new. That wasn't there. Right. You're, you're trying to pull the scales off of the eyes and getting to see people for actually what it is or getting, getting people to see the world actually for what it is, which is this place that's always in an, not only an epistemic and supernatural but also a very physical war. Everything is at war in the world. I, I, I say this all the time. You've probably heard it a million times. But when you look at the sun come up in the morning, you're watching an epistemic battle take place. Mm. Because some people are going to tell you that the only reason it's happening is because the earth is kind of like wantonly stumbling into the light in, in, in its endless course of just like falling. you know. And that may be true technically, but also what's happening is Psalm 19 is happening where this bridegroom of power is rising up from the ground and it's shouting the, the glories of God in such a way that nothing can escape from it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And then the Egyptians will tell you that, oh no, it's a dung beetle God who's pushing the sun across. <laughs> but, but if you just give yourself over to the, to the dark spell of winter, but never Christmas. Yeah, you're right. It's still magic. It's just a magic that makes you, it, that makes you think there is none. Hmm. But magic is everywhere. Even the people that think there that there is none, they're they're covered in magic all the time. The people that are like, "Oh, uh, I'm just going to abort this baby. No big deal. No big deal." They don't realize that they're sacrificing a child to a demon god, and like that's what they're doing. You're giving mm. blood and this twisted sacrament back to this Mother Earth goddess that you've chosen to worship, and so it's messed you, up. Yeah, it is. I, I was thinking as you were talking about that. Do you think you look at modernity, you look at, you know, postmodernism and whatever we are that's after a lot of the, yeah. you know, modernism, whatever, uh, everybody's got a new, you know, just great word, buzzword to attach yeah. to it. But whatever we're living in, it seems like maybe part of the reason that people are so fixated, whether it's your podcast or UFOs or the question of Sasquatch, whatever it is. It's so weird to me that in a post-enlightenment, we just believe in the bare scientific facts and all this mm -hmm. stuff, people are obsessed with this type of content. Mm. So the show's taken off, Haunted Cosmos has. What do you attribute to? What, what, what do you think is the reason for this genre in particular that is just – it just – people cannot put it down? Mm. That's a good question. I, I was recently talking to the cultish guys, Andrew and Jeremiah. Shout out. You guys are great. And we were kind of discussing the same thing. And I think something that Jeremiah said was pretty insightful, where at the end of the day, no one can actually deny that the supernatural exists. Mm. The scriptures say that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So, uh, and Bavink says that we can conclude from that, that true atheism, where someone believes to the very bottom that there's nothing else, is really rare in the world. It's very rare. And, uh, and so because of that, I think people are just looking for it, you know, almost subconsciously where they're, they're walking through the world 
and they know that there's something kind of halfway covering their eyes. It's like Calvin saying that everyone has the seed of the divine within them. They know that there's something else there. And so they're looking for it. And then I think in the modern church, we've too much bought in to the atheist lie of materialism Mm. where they're saying like, yeah, you know, a few miracles happened here and there, but ultimately like there's nothing miraculous that happens. Like it's, it's extremely rare for any miracle to take place. And when I say miracle, I just mean something supernatural, but people know that's not right. They know that that's not right because they've prayed that the Lord would give them a daughter and then they, and then they have a daughter. They pray that the Lord would heal them from cancer and they're healed from cancer. Like things happen that are not just natural and it's not all just coincidence either. But one of the failures of the modern church, especially the modern reformed church, unfortunately, is that we've just kind of taken that whole category of stuff and siphoned it off into, we don't want to touch it because we're good cessationists. And so we don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Whereas the classical reformers were cessationists, but they were still like, well, yeah, but like God still gives people dreams. Like, are you crazy? Of course God gives people dreams, you know? And so I think that a lot of people come out of atheism and new ageism and, you know, those two ends of the spectrum, basically, where you have some new ager that's like, yeah, I'm super bought into everything, you know, being uh, laced, interlaced with the supernatural versus the atheist who's like, no, I'm not, but I know that there is more there and I'm bought into at least that idea. Well, if they come to Christianity, the only churches that are going to be discussing anything like that are usually charismatic, crazy churches that you don't want them to go to. Yeah. Like genuinely, they should not be going there. And so they miss out the the rich heritage and beauty of Reformed theology because we've been kind of cowards in how we handle the weirder things of the world. And I don't mean to say that we have to have all the answers. That's part of the beauty is that we simply will never have all the answers. But Proverbs 29.2 is a verse in the Bible which says that it's the glory of God to conceal things and it's the glory of kings to search things out. Mm. So while the special revelation canon is closed, the natural revelation canon will never be closed. That's part of the point. We'll always be learning new insights about God's glory because he's written them into the world and we'll never exhaust them. And we're priest kings, so of course the king ought to go find the concealed thing, right? Our sponsor, Private Family Banking Partners, is on a mission to help Christians live out the Dominion mandate by making a stealth-like move away from the mainstream banks and into their own privatized banking system. This innovative system is designed to guarantee uninterrupted compound interest and tax-free growth without exposure to typical stock market risks. To join this growing community that is already building wealth into future generations and converting post-mill talk into post-mill action, contact Private Family Banking partner Chuck De Laterante at his email, chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. Again, that's chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. To set up an appointment and to receive a free copy of Chuck's new book, Protect Your Money Now, How to Build Multi-Generational Wealth Outside of Wall Street, and avoid the coming banking meltdown, go to the link in the show notes for more information. Do you desire to be shrewd financially for the sake of your family and future generations? We know that a robust society depends on getting this right. Success in building and passing on personal wealth. Let's be mature, responsible leaders with the resources God expects us to turn a profit on to love our children and children's children well. Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial integrates investments, debt, insurance, tax strategies, 
and legacy planning in a holistic approach, coaching his clients to act wisely. You can do better than you received. You can affect your family trajectory and maximize your efforts to set up long-term fruitfulness. Joe starts with your values and goals, then provides impactful counsel to help you form and implement your financial plan. Click on the link in the description for Backwards Planning Financial and contact Joe today to get started. But yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. Uh, even reading through, like right now for King's Hall, we're doing research on the Crusades. Oh, can't wait for that season. Yeah, it's going to be good. Listen to King's Hall season three. Season, yeah, season three, <laughs> plug. Uh, but even like on the first crusade, um, they're talking about, uh, you know, they're badly outnumbered. They're trying to take Jerusalem. They have no shot. Mm-hmm. Like worse than 10 to 1 odds. And like everybody, like military historians are like, yeah, that's not a, that's not even possible. Right. And so what they do is one of the priests that's with them, the the crusaders, has a vision, and they, like, see Christ deliver them with, like, the spear that pierced Christ's side or something like this. And um, so they're like, yeah, I think we dig over here, and, like, they start digging, and they find the, a staff. Dang. And it's supposedly, like, on Golgotha. And then, like, Peter the Hermit preaches this banger sermon. Everybody's, like, moved. And they decide, like, in Jericho to walk around the city praying. Wow. And like singing hymns and they do. And everybody's making fun of them. And uh, Rodney Stark, who is, uh, he's uh, at the time an agnostic writing this because yeah, it's really weird. So um, they did all this stuff and it sounds really weird. And like, of course that's dumb. That, 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 that doesn't do anything. Yeah. And then the next day, inexplicably, they marched on Jerusalem and took the city <laughs> and destroyed everyone. And it's crazy because some of the crusaders after the first crusade were asked that there were chroniclers there too. And they said, how did you do it? And a lot of the soldiers said, you didn't see the host of angels coming out of heaven to to aid us. (laughs) Now I'm reading this and this is how I know we've lost the, the enchantment of the supernatural. Just a view that there is supernatural. I read my old Testament. You remember with Elijah and Jehazi, Uh he's like, you don't see the host of armies surrounding us. Yeah. And then he prays, his, opens his, eye, his eyes. eyes are open, and he sees him. The point is they were there the whole time. Right. There is a realm you can't see. But it, it kind of got me thinking because I was like, I'm just like a priori saying, well, that can't even, that's not even possible. Mm-hmm. Of course, this story is made up. And then you read the accounts and you're like, I don't know. Right. I mean, it. maybe they read the Bible and they just tried to make this seem better than it was. Maybe they saw something. Right. And then you try to explain the victory that they had, and they were like, it's I, I don't know how you explain it any other way. Yeah, I mean part of the part of the practice of being, I think, a, a good Christian, a, a Proverbs twenty nine two obeying Christian, is that you recognize that with all these kind of old stories and modern stories too, you're dealing with unreliable evidence because it's a person that's writing all this down. And it's people that are telling these stories and people are fallible. But then what you, uh, what you have to do is use the lens of scripture and just say, is this possible? Like, is there anything that precludes this from happening? And the answer for that is, of course not. Of course we God We have said, stories just like this exactly, in Exactly, in the Bible. And we're, we're never told that it stopped. If anything, it increased because Christ has won. So, of course, we'd see more hosts of angelic armies coming to help the saints uh, achieve their missions. It's like with Constantine. And, and having the vision uh, before he battled Maxentius at the, at the Melvian Bridge where, you know, he saw the, the Cairo in the sky and, 
Which said, everybody tries to explain away. Right, and it said, by this sign, conquer. And all these historians are like, yeah, it never happened. Like, it's Christian uh, revisionist history. But Constantine said, that's what happened. And that's what converted him. And then they went and had this, like, miraculous battle that they won. And the thing is, and every historian will agree, that they actually did paint Kairos on their shield after that night. So Constantine had some kind of change of heart. Whether it was stars in the sky that aligned in a Cairo or not, he saw something. And the thing is, is that there's absolutely nothing in Scripture that says that cannot happen. In fact, everything in Scripture points to God loves to write the best stories, and that is a pretty good story. And he delivered his saints. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, it's amazing. It is. Uh, Ben, I want to ask you, get into some of the details on some of the episodes, kind of give people a teaser and a feel. If you haven't yet listened to The Haunted Cosmos which, honestly, are you living under a rock? What's happening with you people? It's okay if you haven't. <laughs> you got to listen to the Hunter Cosmos. Uh, but, but one of the things I want to ask you, you've done how many episodes now? Uh, we just released our 15th main episode. Okay, but these episodes are like two hours long, some of them. Yeah, some, Yeah, this season has been longer, too. We, we tried to make them longer this season. Okay, so, but you, you're putting in like tons of research and tons of work. You, yeah. get, you guys do a ton of sound editing. Right, right. So there's a lot of work that goes into these really high quality production. Thank you. They get it from me. <laughs> That's right. They no. do not get it from me <laughs> at all. Um, one of the things, uh, I, I just have to share this. This is like insider baseball. Okay. Uh, at the very beginning, when you and Brian were like, hey, we got this idea for this podcast. Um, when I was brought into the discussions, I immediately was like, this is going to be a hit. This is going to be, I know that, wow. no, no, the complete opposite. <laughs> and I've said this to, to other people as well, but I was like, I was like, guys, this is, are you dorks? Like stupidest idea. <laughs> this is so dumb. And uh, I don't think it's going to work. And you guys were like, no, just trust us. Um, I think it's going to work. This is one of those times where you're like super glad to be wrong. Right. Sure. <laughs> uh, but, but it, it's taken off. People have really identified with it. The one we were talking about, your most recent it, this is live podcast now, the Dyatlov Pass? The Dyatlov Pass, yeah, it was released yesterday. Okay, so, like, if you're going to give somebody, like, a teaser, like, Brian, the, 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 he was giving us a teaser about what is Dyatlov Pass mm. for oh. people who don't, I actually had never even heard of this, because I do live under a rock. Right. Uh, if you had said, like, do you remember that game in the World Series <laughs> in 1991? You know, I would have remembered that, but this is a, a fascinating story, so kind of give us, like, what 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 happened in, in 1959, nine Russian hikers journeyed deep into the Siberian wilderness in the foothills of the Ural Mountains. None of them survived. Their bodies were found, and all of them were recovered. Their injuries were inexplicable. Their tent was found, cut open from the inside, and none of them had any clothes on. To this day, no one can explain what happened to them. But we have some photos that they found in their cameras. What? And the photos add a layer of mystery to this that makes it actually far more difficult to solve because they don't make any sense. And people have, you know, I, so that's, I guess that's the teaser. People have gone through like, was it a Yeti? <laughs> you know, was it an avalanche? Was it catabatic wind or a hurricane? Was the Russian army doing some weird experiments? Okay, we address all those in the show. And for various reasons, none of them work. And so we give our, our shot at an answer. But ultimately, the listener has to be the judge. <laughs> but it is, it is one of, if not the craziest stories I've ever heard from modern history. 
what is the I know you don't want to give it all away, but what is the uh what is it about the photos? So they show what uh what appear to be some strange orbs of light in, yeah. the, in the sky. Okay. And a lot of testing has been done on them and cuz it's like a photo I'm looking at it, it's like a photo of the sky. Yeah, and and people just can't seem to agree on what the photo is. And then there's also still I think 6 or 9 pictures that are still classified by the Russian government to this day. What? And they won't they won't release them. My goodness. It's crazy. And and so we can listen to this now. You can listen to this right now. It's one of my favorites that we've done. It I don't know, holds a special place in my heart. <laughs> uh when you think about the other episodes, um what uh ones that stand out as either favorites or I guess most popular? Most popular for sure is uh is episode 1, the first one we really? ever did on on the high seas. The one that you and Dan just hated. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> we made, we spent it's like, the best we spent one. like 45 hours. No, 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 no. We maybe, recorded it three times. Maybe the reason people loved it so much is because we gave helpful feedback. I Well, you did give helpful feedback. <laughs> we actually deleted like 10 minutes of completely useless banter. Um, but I remember you guys I even saying, you were like, we're really rusty and I don't know how good, but that was, that, that one's been that very one, popular. Yeah. That one's our most popular. Um, now the Skinwalker Ranch ones are in the running to be the most popular, given mm-hmm. more time. Concerning Angels is very popular. Bigfoot's very popular. My personal favorite is Vampires, uh, which is episode six of season one. Because when I was outlining Vampires and researching for it, that's when everything started to click for me with like, oh, wow, all of these myths from all these different regions and uh, all of this uh, magic and, and supernatural history and stuff, all of it is, uh, in, a, in a sense, not necessarily literally, very real, and it's all connected, and it all matters for today. Uh, so Vampires was has a really special place in my heart. I was, okay, so for people who haven't listened, give me a teaser on Vampires. Vamp- it, it, it's, in, it's all in the name. We explore the legend of the vampire throughout history. But the connections that you can make from the vampire to, uh, for example, modern day um, sexual degeneracy and abortion are alarming. And, and they, I think they will alarm people. You guys talk some E. Michael Jones in that? Yeah, I think I, I, think I name drop. I, I tried to avoid name dropping him because, because of who he is. Because uh, he's on several watch lists. We, we try to appeal to a broader audience than normal <laughs> for New Christendom Press. So. But I, I know that I mentioned Monsters from the Id, I think, at least one point. Or I put I put him in the notes or okay. something to reference him. Well, because this was, you and I were having this conversation, you know, we're talking about the Crusades and Vlad the Impaler. Oh, yeah. Well, his name was Vlad Dragula or Dracula. Uh, what's often missed is it's because as a crusader, uh, defenders of Christendom, they were, him and his fathers were part of the Order of the Dragon, which so in cool. Transylvania, w- Romania, present day, uh, was Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never knew that, like, I had heard of Vlad the Impaler, but, you know, even in public high school, they weren't like, oh, yeah, he was, like, killing, you know, Muslims, Turks in defense of Christendom. You didn't hear any of that part of the story. Uh, but there's also interesting how because of that time period – he has a falling out with the the I guess the king or the prince of Hungary, uh-huh. his next door neighbor, who puts him in prison, uh, kind of at the Pope's orders. But the Pope is also like, well, no, no, no. Let me let me backtrack. The Pope is upset with the the prince of Hungary, 
And he says, why did you put Vlad in prison? Based Pope. Yeah. And so they <laughs> produce all this propaganda to, to say how bad Vlad is. And in that propaganda, they were like, he drinks blood. Christendom, Christendom was doing this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. He, he, he drinks blood and he, cause he was trying to justify why'd you put him in prison? Uh-huh. Um, cause anytime you have a guy who's like, has a whole forest of impaled Turks, <laughs> like people kind of get like sketch. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this guy. He's well, kinda, it, maybe they're right to maybe, get a little sketch, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, but maybe not. They just don't know. Look, he's a complicated person. He is indeed. He's a yeah. strategist. He was a strategist. Um, so that's really interesting. Well, years later, uh, like I think it's like Bram Stoker mm-hmm. yep. finds a lot of this propaganda and creates the modern vampire, the modern yeah. vampire. So the thing that I think will surprise people in the vampire episode is that there is a direct pipeline from the Lilith, uh, legend from ancient in Judaism. Yeah. From a- well, the, the, the Talmudic Jews kind of, uh, kind of like hijacked Lilith from the Mesopotamians. Oh. She was originally like a Babylonian goddess. Really? And she shows up in the Epic of, or uh, one of the Gilgamesh legends, not the Epic of Gilgamesh. But anyway, so there's a direct pipeline from like Lilith to Leviticus 18 to Isaiah to the modern vampire. Interesting. That, that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you're like, oh, wow, vampirism is very alive and well today. Wait, like, so that's, not, that's not a new. No. So Leviticus, you're talking about like you can't drink blood. Right. So it says in Leviticus that the, that the blood is the life of a thing. And then you have these like modern Wicca practitioners today that are, how do I say this? Um, they have blood coming out of them. They collect it. Uh uh-uh. They pour it back into the earth as an offering. Are you serious? To the earth mother. And that practice comes directly from, from the Lilith motif which is this demoness succubus witch. Okay, weird question. Remember like, wasn't there like a, it was like the all the woo-woo weird women's concert. It was called like Lilith Fair. Oh yeah, Lilith Fair. Is that the same? Well, yeah, so this is, so that's a modern attempt to repackage Lilith as uh-uh. the hero of the story. Interesting. And people try to tell me that demonic influence isn't a lot real anymore. I'm like, are you kidding me? You have feminists telling these young women to look up to Lilith as if she's a hero and for all of history, that's really where that comes from. Even the Babylonians thought she was horrible. Really? No one, no, no one liked Lilith. Dude, that is so crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. So th- that pipeline's amazing, though. <laughs> it's so interesting because um, e- even today I was reading. I think it's Acts nineteen, and uh, the sons of Sceva. Oh yeah, and we're like Paul, we know, and Christ, we know, but who are you? So when you when you think about that, like, do you think? I know you guys have done a show on demons. Yeah, many. <laughs> many shows on demons. Like, can people be demon-possessed today? Oh, yeah. Christians can't be. Uh, that that seems to be the consensus of all theologians, and it just makes sense. Uh, regenerate Christians could not be demon-possessed. But other people can be. But other people can be, sure. In fact, uh, Dr. M- uh, Martin, Dr. Walter Martin, the guy who wrote Kingdom of the Occult, he has, he's a Protestant minister who's participated in many exorcisms and he has exorcised demons from people. I was actually talking to, I, I won't name, I won't name drop him, but a patron of ours was messaging me. He's a Lutheran minister. And he was saying that just the other week he had to exorcise someone and he was describing it. And I was like, wow. Are there, so I've listened to like Mark Driscoll on this uh-huh. 
And there's like rules for how to exercise, not exercise, but right. exorcise. <laughs> right. I'm exercising some fat from my body. Not that kind. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> but like, do you buy into this? Is any of that real? I, I, I mean, I think that, uh, I think the, I think the Catholics started off right where they were using Christ's encounter with Legion as a model for how one deals with the demonic where uh, Legion immediately recognizes Christ as who he is, begs him not to send them out um, or into the void. And then Christ responds, Christ rebukes them. They don't leave, which is interesting. And then Christ responds with, what is your name? They tell them his name. It's more than one demon. Yeah, it's Legion. It's the, because we are many, you know. Um, So there's presumably at least more than two in there. And, uh, and then Christ says, okay, I won't send you into the void. And they beg to be sent into a herd of pigs. He says, okay, go into the pigs. They go into the pigs and then rush off the bank and they die in the, in, in the, in the sea of Galilee. They die. Yeah. They, it says that the pigs die. What did the demons die? Well, no, I mean, a demon wouldn't die if a pig dies and it's just inhabited in it. So it's a really weird story. But the pattern is you in, you invoke the name of Christ, and then the Catholics really ran with the whole naming thing. And this is what that Lutheran minister was telling me. He was like, part of the reason I think the the Roman Catholics today especially get get this exorcism thing way wrong, where it's basically just modern witchcraft, where you're using incantations instead of relying upon the power of Christ— is that they put all of the focus on the demon and almost none on Christ. And so the Lutheran way, you know, to the best of my knowledge, is that they hardly even, you know, address the person at all. Instead, they do the rite of exorcism, which is just proclaiming the Lord's lordship over not only the person, but also the place where they live. And this guy was like a part of one? Yeah, and he was a part of one, and he was like, I mean, he swears it was legit. And he described it, and if— if what he described is even halfway uh, true, like if even if he exaggerated some, it's still really compelling and alarming what he went through. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that. It, I think that we would be fooling ourselves if we said that that wasn't possible today. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, do you think that there is, I've noticed this, say, with like Mark Driscoll, um, there's a lot of people right now, it seems to be resurgent, where they're like, if you're a cessationist, like, uh, I'm not saying they've called them heretics, but close. Oh yeah. Um, there, there, it seems like there's an uptick in anti-cessationist mm. uh, language, and I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't t- obviously talked to Mark. Mark, if you want to come on our show, more than welcome. I'd love <laughs> to hear your opinion here. Um, but but I'm curious. Like maybe one concern that I've had is: does it get to the point where like you just blame everything on demons? I think it can be. You're like Israel and Hamas, demonic. Demonic. And and there's just like a pull to people of right. like everything is demonic. Yeah. I, I, I certainly don't think so. I, I think that, you know, Christ has put the demons to open shame. Uh, Satan no longer rules over the nations. He no longer deceives the nations. That's all true. Uh, and yet, you know, there's still outposts of the enemy that have to be taken. So especially the, the Puritan perspective when they came to the new world was that Satan has deceived himself into thinking that he can still rule over this nation Mm. because Christ's lordship hasn't yet been proclaimed here. 
And so they so they actually took that as like a historical phenomenon. Oh yes, their manifest destiny was quite literal. They really? were like, we are going to to bring Christ to that world that Satan has deceived himself into deceiving. That actually makes sense uh, with sort of like certain interactions with the Native Americans, the Indians, mm-hmm. like even the Comanche. Some of the things they were doing. Oh man, yeah just horrible like i think a lot of the even the texas settlers were like we we were kind of like shocked to find that there was a place in the world this was still happening right yeah um or like the conquistadors in yeah, south america yeah same deal and even think of utah like utah's never been a christian state christ has been proclaimed here but it's never been a christian state interesting and that affects that affects everything that affects the climate the soil the the, the quality of the air that affects everything and to believe otherwise is just to kind of ignore what scripture says about god's blessing and cursing but to get to your question about cessationism, it's interesting. Uh, the other podcast that I've that I've you know been allowed to go on, it, it always comes up where I have to tell them like, no, I am a I'm a Westminster affirming cessationist, and they're always surprised by it. I would think they assume you're not. Right? They do assume yeah. that I'm not. But the thing is, is that the idea that people have of cessationism today is rarely historically accurate. What is it? Today we have a hyper cessationist view. Okay. We're literally anything that, you know, materialism, right? For example, God giving the gift of a dream to someone. My mom always has this experience about the same time every year. She has a dream about her mother who died of breast cancer when she was like 17 years old. She has a, a, a dream where she's with her mom. She's, you know, cooking with her, which was one of her favorite things to do. And it's this, she always texts me when, when it happens, she's like, it was just such a precious dream. So grateful to the Lord for again, giving me this dream. And it, for a couple of years, I was like, yeah, whatever, mom, like, eh, maybe don't, maybe don't buy into that too much. But I see nothing in the cessation, in the historical cessationist perspective that precludes that from being possible. Nothing at all. Luther even talked about people having special revelation from God that would allow them to be better equipped to do the thing he called them to do. Interesting. Not special revelation for the church, not doctrine, not dogma, but rather just equipping the saint with knowledge that they could then use to go glorify him in their respective field. This is something that Luther talked about. And so I think today we're, we're falling into the hyper cessationist, like hyper 1689 camp. Like nothing supernatural could ever happen. Exactly. And God does nothing supernatural for his children, but that doesn't smell good at all, A, and then it's not at all historically rooted. It's entirely new. Red meat is a staple of a healthy, protein-packed diet, but not all meat is created equal. That's why I buy my meat from Salt and Strings Butchery. Salt and Strings is owned and operated by my friends, Quinn and Samantha Bible, and the meat they offer is raised, harvested, and processed exclusively in Southern Illinois. It's cut and packaged by my friends, Quinn and Anthony, And not only is it the best meat I've ever had, well, all their meat is sourced from local farms that share our Christian values. Salt and Strings is now offering a beef and hog box that can be shipped directly to your door. The 15-pound beef box features 100% black Angus beef and includes ribeyes, T-bones, sirloin, chakros, fajita meats, and ground beef. You can order your beef box today for just $259. They will send it directly to your door. The hog box is $239 and features premium Duroc pork, including eight thick pork chops, one of my all-time favorites, pork steaks, cured and sliced bacon, ground pork, bratwurst, and breakfast sausage links. You can place your order today at saltandstrings.com or use the link in the show notes. 
And also be sure to follow Salt and Strings on Instagram. We'll also include the link in the show notes. One of the things I want to ask you, Ben, because it's sort of on this this wavelength. It was popular in Christian communities, but like Don Piper, not John Piper. Right. Don Piper had like uh, 60 seconds in heaven or- Oh, 90 minutes in heaven. 90 minutes in heaven. Yeah. Um, what's interesting to me about these, I want to ask you about them. A, do you think they're real? That's question number one. But but two, it's also um, like in that instance, it's like almost acting like, okay, now I'm going to go make money off speaking yeah. and, and and I have a, kind of a new message. Right. Uh, well, you know, God wanted me to tell you that like, you know, you should live your life on purpose. Women should preach. <laughs> Women should, yeah, but that was probably in there somewhere. I don't know. Uh, what do you make of these type experiences? I, I don't think that they're uh, heaven. <laughs> um, I've never read any of those books because they, I don't want to give them money. But to me, it seems like either a classic near-death experience type thing where um, – whether it's whether it is your psyche or the Lord or or some kind of demonic influence showing you something, uh, or it's not a near death experience and they're completely charlatans and making it up. Either way, uh, I I don't think that that is possible. I don't think that it is possible to go to heaven and come back and come back unless you're Paul in Second Corinthians twelve, and then I think it's possible. But he was an apostle and you're not. You know I, I'm not. So, and it's also worth noting, <laughs> just on the Paul thing, why God took Paul in, in, in body or spirit, we don't know, God knows, up to the third heaven. And it was to prove to him as an apostle who was being tested that God's grace is sufficient for him. And so we have Paul's re- recording of that event, of God proving to Paul that his grace is sufficient for him. So we don't need that same event because we know from that already God's grace is sufficient for us too. So I see a, no reason why anyone would go to heaven and then come back. And I see no possibility of it because it seems like it would be a a mistake that a bureaucratic divinity would make, you know, where there was a clerical error and oops, this guy is in heaven. Ah, shoot. We got to send him back. This is too, a little too early. Interesting. Final question. Well, two final questions. Right on. Okay. Third heaven. Why is there more than one heaven? And what does that mean? Yes. Okay. So Christian cosmology, uh, it's really basic. The first heaven is the, is the, uh, is the atmosphere and it ends in the old Testament Jewish mind at the moon. Uh, that was the medieval conception as well. The first heaven ends at the moon. And then the second heaven, uh, for Christian cosmology is all of the rest of the universe. The third heaven is God's dwelling place. So third heaven, God's dwelling also called paradise by Paul. Christ tells the thief on the cross, you will be with me today in paradise. So is this, that's in the third heaven. Yes. Okay. I believe that's where the soul goes to be with Christ at death. When you say, okay, first heaven is to the moon. Right. My question is, did (laughs) people actually go to the moon? (laughs) And if they did, were they in the first heaven? Uh, well, we're in the first heaven now, kind of, you know, cause we're, we're breathing the air and the atmosphere. Okay. Um, okay. yeah, I, I, it depends on the day, whether or not I think we went to the moon. Part of me wants to say yes. And the reason that they're allowing the myth that we didn't to propagate is because they want to take away the highest achievement of Western civilization ever. And they want to make Western man seem actually weak and deceptive. 
The other side of me wants to say, well, NASA was already pretty far gone at that point. And uh, they basically, if they're to be believed, we went to the moon in like a toaster oven of technology. And why haven't we gone back? Um, shouldn't be cheaper now. The other option is that we did go to the moon, but we found something we weren't expecting, uh, which would be more of a medieval idea of each planet being guided by some kind of supernatural intelligence that's following God's will. And have you have you heard the story? I, I've heard people make this claim. They're like Neil Armstrong saw demons. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that too. I, I don't know. I haven't really looked he was like, that much. People were like, he was up there and he was like, I'm never going back ever, 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 ever. Well, wasn't it? I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was Buzz Aldrin, where he still in interviews will be like, oh yeah, we never went. We never went. And I saw some weird stuff in, the, in our like orbit or whatever. Um, he never went to the, like he said, we never went to the moon, but he did go into like low earth orbit. He, he says, and he saw like really strange things, low earth orbit. Yeah. Which is just like, you're just at the point where you can orbit, where you can orbit the earth in, in free fall, basically where you're not having to use any energy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But, and he says the, I think it's Buzz Aldrin that, that does that. One of those astronauts that are old. One of those old guys. Well, maybe a future episode. Yeah. Uh, what can you give us by way of sneak peek preview? What's coming down the pipeline from the old HC? And hey, if you guys ever need some expertise, do not ask me. <laughs> I was say, you'd be just the guy. I, I, I would be the perfect, I guess, like idiot listener that would be like very like Bubba, you know? And I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> You know what's really funny is that so you know that you know that I love you. You're my you're my pastor. You're my friend. I uh, respect you, and yet I once said your name in an episode, and I beeped it out because because it was so good. Believe it or not, you have a reputation. What that some of our listeners would maybe be afraid of. I don't know what you mean. I know. Yeah, you know. I'll explain it later. But. Uh, so yeah, I said, uh, oh, that sounds like something Eric Kahn would say. And Brian was like, you got to beep that. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, toxic. Right. This is the, uh, actually, I did a podcast with with Joel Webin. And that's, how, again, that's how we started. Oh, man. <laughs> Joel said, he's like, Eric, first question, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. That's a fair question, So Joel. sneak peek. I'll just go ahead and tell you the rest of the shows in season season two. Uh, so Dyatlov Pass just released. Episodes six and seven are Giants Part One and Two. Giants. Episode eight is Ghosts. Episode nine is Black Eyed Kids. And episode ten is DMT. DMT, what's that? And other hallucinogenics. It's just a drug. Like a real drug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a real drug that people that take it are like, oh yeah, it opened portals and I talked to these beings. What? Like all of them say that they meet these beings when they're high. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. So now where do we go? <laughs> Weird. Yeah, that's crazy. Awesome. Well, that sounds exciting. Hopefully. Deacon Ben Garrett, thank you so much for joining me for this episode and our listeners of the Hardman Podcast. The pleasure is uh, mine. They can go to hauntedcosmos.com. Uh, thehauntedcosmos.com. You can find us on Twitter at hauntedcosmos underscore, and that's pretty much it. And they can follow, yeah, you personally on Twitter. At Tom Ponbadil. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> you're going to be disappointed. Awesome, Ben. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. 
And special shout out to our Patreon supporters. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter, you can join today for as little as $5 a month. And that definitely helps keep this work going. We are glad to partner with you for content that builds a new Christendom and reclaims biblical masculinity at the same time. You can check the show notes for the link to become a Patreon supporter of the Hard Men podcast today. Stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men. Thank you.